And so faith becomes the key to his presence, but also the key to his life operating through us. So I want to look at just a few of the specific areas. The first one I would look at is saving faith. For by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Okay, we're going to talk about the gift of the Spirit, but the first gift is a gift from God, which is a gift of the grace and the faith to respond to him. It comes from him. It doesn't come from an initiation we have. It may come out of desperation, may come out of hunger to pursue him, but in the end, our encounter with him is an encounter with his grace and his gift of salvation. Um, so every believer is born into the kingdom through saving faith, which is a gift from God. So if I'm going to get to the gift of faith, I start with saving faith, which is that foundation for, for our life and our access to all God has for us. We, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. Um, no amount of discipline or self-sacrifice will actually give you a right to it. It's his gift to us. Salvation is not something you work for. You don't get to heaven by being good enough. You get to heaven by accepting a gift. You get into his presence by accepting the gift. You come into the kingdom by accepting the gift. We have to understand that it's all about faith. It's being persuaded that this amazing God who we can't see has actually provided a way of salvation. That's our, that's our access to his presence. Our access to what he has for us. The Holy Spirit draws us to salvation, but it's his grace, his gift, that actually brings us into salvation. As we give up, as we yield ourselves, as we ask his forgiveness, as we invite his salvation, there's an act that we do, but it's his gift to us. Um, our heart, when, when our hearts respond, it's actually our introduction into the spiritual, the unseen, or the supernatural realm. We, the moment you accept Christ as Savior, you're invited into a realm that you can't see with your eyes. And the more you become, become comfortable with that realm, the more you're going to be comfortable with the life of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Lord Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the angelic presence in this room is just as real as the chairs you're sitting on. In fact, I think I could make a case that it's more real. But most of us live unaware of that realm because that realm's only access through faith. It's only faith that, that brings us there. The second realm we want to look at is the fruit of faith. Um, you know, the word, the word in Galatians is faithfulness in most translations. A couple of them have faith. But actually, the, the Greek word used in that passage is the same word used in all the other verses for faith. Um, so the, the same Holy Spirit that drew us to salvation now begins to shape the character of Christ in us. We see the fruit of the Spirit is actually the character traits of Jesus. So anything the Spirit produces in you as fruit is things he's reflecting from the nature of Jesus. The Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears. He only reveals Jesus to us. 
So if the Holy Spirit is building fruit in you, then he's basically building the character traits of the Lord Jesus into you. That's an exercise of faith. It's an exercise of us trusting him. Faith in its most basic form is to receive him as salvation, but the same Holy Spirit now begins to reveal Jesus to us and conform us to his image. I don't think we grasp how radical that is in the spirit realm. But Paul gives an example in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He talks about, you know, being conformed to the world, but being, by being, but being transformed. And the word transformed he used there is, is the Greek word metamorpho, which is where we get our English word metamorphosis. So you went into salvation as a caterpillar and you came out the other end of the gift as a butterfly. There's a radical transformation of who you are that took place in that act of engaging our faith. It's not a passive ticket to heaven. It's a radical transformation and an ushering into a whole different way. You used to crawl on the ground and eat grass and now you can fly. You just, something has to get into us of, of the radical nature of what faith does. And it's that transformation that is actually shifting us and bringing us into conformity with the life of Jesus. We used to wear these little bracelets. What would Jesus do? I like the bracelet. But you don't get to do what Jesus do until you do it like Jesus did it. And you can't do it like Jesus did it until his character is formed into you so that what you do is coming out of the nature and the character of Christ formed in you. The gifts of the Spirit are hollow until they're shaped with God's love at work through you. They produce the wrong sound. And so the Holy Spirit's at work to create the faith in us that we can be like him. How many of you have a hunger to be like Jesus? It's a lifelong passion. It's a lifelong mission that we would correctly reflect his nature and correctly reflect his image. God, God help us to elevate our sights, to lift our expectancies, to, to begin to see beyond the limitations of what we've experienced up until now. And the goal of that internal work of the Spirit, the goal of the, the Word and the Spirit in our life, we find in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4.13, uh, 4, until we all attain to the unity of the face and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's, that's your goal in life. I want to stand before him having fulfilled my purpose of standing in his nature. I want the fruit of the Spirit to so work in me that that's all that comes out no matter what's going on around us. We've got to be a people that stand for it. The two statements I want to make out of this first part are this. The Holy Spirit works in us to conform us to the image of Christ. That's the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit then works through us to present Christ to the world. That's the gifts of the Spirit. 
Now, I want you to take a moment, just look at that. And I want you to just internalize that for a minute. And I want everybody in this room to ask God to make that real to you. That both of these operations would begin to operate in my life in the way God intended. So, Father, right now, we just surrender ourselves to these, this twofold work of your Spirit that would be conformed to your image and the fruit of the Spirit would become our normal behavior. And Father, that we would be your life to the world through your gifts, that we would present you well to the world around us. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. The next layer I want to look at is the walk of faith. We're introduced by faith into the salvation, but it's not static. It doesn't stop there. And it's not just simply that we're changed into his image. There's more than that. There's a walk of faith that he's desiring from us. Um, we read in 2 Corinthians, for we walk by faith and not by sight. What, what does that mean to you? I don't think there's ever been a moment in the history where that's more important than it is at this moment. I hear so many believers walking by sight, by what they see, by what they hear, by what the media presents. I see so many believers operating off of what is presented in the natural realm and completely missing what's happening in the spirit realm. And God wants to break the limitations off of us and cause us to be a people that really can walk by faith and not by sight. I, I don't know how many encounters it's taken, but this is the goal. I want to face every circumstance we face with an expectation of, I, I want to live by faith, not by sight. Because sight so often gets in the way of what faith calls us to do. And we need to break that limit. I want to play a little video clip for you. The name of the Open Jar Institute was inspired by a study about fleas. Fleas have an amazing ability to jump really far. And a group of scientists took some fleas and they put them in a jar and they put the lid on the jar. And of course the fleas began jumping, hitting their heads on the lid of that jar. And after about a week of jumping, these fleas learned to adjust the height of their jump to be just under the limitation of that lid. That way they wouldn't keep knocking into that lid. Smart fleas. The scientists let one more week go by and then they took the lid off of that jar. And surprisingly, the fleas did not adjust. They continued jumping at the very same height, just where they thought the limitation of that lid was. Even though they could have jumped out to their freedom, they never did. And you know, that's not unlike us as humans. We are faced with obstacles right and left in our lives. And sometimes we get used to hearing that and we adjust as well. But actually, you never know if the lid is off. You never know if you're facing the opportunity of a lifetime. And so the Open Jar Institute's philosophy is that every single time you jump as if that jar is open.
So go back to that illustration for, for a minute. I actually, somebody brought a piece of clothing into our house the other day, and I was sitting in my chair early this week. I looked down my arm, and I got a flea on my arm. I've not had a flea in our house, and I don't know how long. We haven't had a dog in years. And I'm looking at this stupid flea jumping, and I really felt the Lord tell me it was important for today, for this message. So fleas can jump as high as eight inches. It's natural to them. It's actually 50 times their height. Just imagine that for a minute. Imagine if you could jump 50 times your height. I mean, we have superheroes that can do that, but these fleas can. Um, when you put them in a jar and close, seal the top, they will, just like the video said. They'll jump a few times and hit the top, but most studies say in about three days they stop jumping that high. And from then on, you can take the lid off, and they literally will spend the rest of their life in the, in the jar. Even though they have the power and the capacity to jump out, something's limited them and they've been reprogrammed to not have the ability to do it. It has nothing to do with ability. It has to do with the environment they're in. The most tragic part of this illustration to me is that if you leave the fleas in there long enough, the fleas actually have kids. And the children of the fleas in the jar never, ever jump out of the jar. They've learned from their parents that there's a limit to what you can do and a limit to what you can be and a limit. And so children born with the ability to get out never get out because they're programmed to not get out. They're programmed to only jump so high. So two crucial things. Number one, our environment imposes artificial limits that causes us to adjust how high we'll jump. Our environment imposes artificial limits. Now, that environment can be a whole bunch of things. In the first song of worship this morning, I, just, I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to just run through my life quickly and to make a mark every time I had to violate my environment. And in just two minutes, I wrote down, I jotted, I, I jotted down 30 occasions that came to immediate memory when I had to violate the norm to get where God wanted us to be. I want to suggest that a lot of us are in that place. Sometimes it's our histories. Sometimes it's our experience. Sometimes it's disappointments. There are lots of things that happen in our lives. And if we're not careful, those things set the limit of where we're willing to go in faith. Hello? 
And the only way to break out of that limitation is faith. The only way to break out is to begin to operate by faith, not by sight. Now, you may have to bang your head on the little jar a few times. But I promise you it's worth it. The second thing that I felt was crucial out of this is that in, in addition to the current circumstances we're in, we inherit the limitations of those we learn from. Can we hear this? The people we listen to, the people we hear, the people that give us counsel, if we're not careful, we're inheriting their limitations and we're applying their limitations to us when that limitation actually has nothing to do with us. It has to do with an experience that that person had where they bumped their head against the jar lid a few times and now they're cautioning you to never ever do that because you really don't want to bump your head against the jar lid. And a lot of our life is spent protecting ourselves instead of operating in risk, instead of operating in faith. And for us to be who God's called us to be in this hour, it's going to be absolutely crucial for us to break these limits. I, I want to be a, free that lives, a flea that lives free. Say that really fast. I challenge you. I, I, I want to I get out of the jar. I want to break the limitations. I want to re, be refused. But just like the flea, we, we get ourselves programmed to a certain set of expectations. And the only thing that will break us out of that, the only thing that can override those things is faith. And I believe this morning, and as I was preparing this, the challenge for this morning is take the lid off. Stop setting artificial limits to what you can or can't do. Stop limiting what you're able to give by what your bank balance is or by what your income is. I, I'm not saying be foolish. I'm saying stop limiting yourself to a certain box because that's the box you've always lived in. I appreciated uh, Angie's testimony this morning that you know, breaking out of those limitations and the things that God's done in her life as a result of... of just starting to go beyond and suddenly you see things happening and lining up that you didn't think were possible. You'll never see the extent of faith if you don't take a risk. And that operates in praying for people. It operates in, in every arena of life. If there's no risk, then we go through life passively waiting for a rescue out to get to heaven and we completely miss our calling in this hour. We're going to get to the gift of faith in a few minutes, but the gift of faith is built on a foundation of exercising faith through our life so we get to understand what these faith reflexes are able to produce. And when we get conditioned to what faith can produce, then when the gift of faith hits us, it's easy to respond to it. In Hebrews chapter 11, now, faith is the substance 
of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I, this is probably one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Because I live much of my life hoping for eternal life and not hoping for life now. And then you discover that he's got something now that we're to begin to believe for. What are we believing for? You know, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? How many of you have unfulfilled hopes? Oh man, we're in trouble. If you don't have unfulfilled hopes, you're going to never get to faith. You're going to never see the substance if you aren't believing for more. If you aren't hoping for more. Because it's the hoping that creates the arena for the substance to step into it. I believe God is restoring hope in a remarkable way in this season. Um, the prayer time, uh, was it last Friday or the Friday before? It was all about hope and just... God restoring hope. Why is that important? Because without hope, you're not going to find faith. Substance comes from things hoped for. And oftentimes, we don't hope because our hopes got dashed or, or it didn't happen like we thought it should happen. And, and we set our expectancy based on failed hope in the past. And we stop pushing to see more. What are you hoping for? I mean, when I dream, I see revival sweeping across this nation. I see tens of thousands pouring into the kingdom. I see miracles on a scale that we've only dreamed of beginning to happen. I see whole nations turning to Christ and the, the shift in those nations being that there's so much life of God that certain things change. In the Great Awakening, at one point between Whitfield and Wesley Brothers, 25% of England came to Christ during that awakening. A quarter of the nation came to Christ during that period. What would it look like for a quarter of our nation to come to real faith. It would, change, it would change things. And we can live in fear and we can live in uncertainty and we can live in what if and we can live in regret and we can live in all kinds of things, but I choose to live in hope. I think God is up to something absolutely incredible. Hebrews 11 is often called the faith chapter. Why? Because a whole bunch of ordinary people operated in the faith. And they saw what they couldn't see. They went after what they couldn't experience. They didn't see everything they believed for. In fact, Hebrews 11 says that. They didn't see it all, but they, they died believing for something. And they make it into a chapter in Scripture because they didn't see it. Some of them saw it. They all saw a lot. 
but there was, all, there was always more they were seeing that they hadn't yet experienced. When you stand before God, you're not going to be measured on how much you saw, but on how much you believe for, how much you stood for, how much you contended for. It's okay to die in hope. It's okay. That's not failure. But for too many of us, we put hope to bed because it feels uncomfortable. Faith has the ability or the capacity to turn difficult circumstances into opportunities for the power of God to move. That's why faith is such an essential part. This walk of faith is an essential part of who we are. Scripture says, but in that same passage, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Now, we know we had faith when we came to him in salvation, but this is more than that. This is coming out of this idea of these people that stood in faith and contended and believed for something. Um, we must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What does it mean in that context to diligently seek him? God, I want everything you got for me. I don't want anything left on the table. If I have a nightmare, my nightmare is standing before God and there's this countersized table right here. And on that table is everything I could have stepped in that I didn't. My nightmares are that table's full. My hope is I'm going to stand before him, look down, and there'll be nothing left on the table. I want to have done everything he's called me to do. That's living your life for eternity. That's living your life to fulfill the call and the commission that's on your life. We read in Romans chapter 12 that God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I've heard this taught as there's kind of a limitation to faith. But I don't believe that's at all what it's talking about. Because his commendation to the Philippians, or to the Thessalonians, sorry, in 2 Thessalonians 1.3 was, he commended them that your faith is growing abundantly. If I have a prayer for Dayspring, is that our faith would grow abundantly. And he added in the last part of that verse, and the love is increasing. That the two pieces were what he commended the Thessalonians for. What if we could be a body of people where faith is growing abundantly and love is increasing? What do you think the impact would be on society around us? What do you think the impact would be on those that we interact with and those that we touch? It'd be incredible, church. And it's born out of faith. One more verse I'm not going to spend much time on is, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. There's two pieces to our hearing. The word, everything we do, everything we say, 
has got to be soundly rooted in the Word. His Word's got to come alive to you. I, I can't tell you the number of times in my life when I've been up against a circumstance and the Word came alive and gave me the direction on how to come out of it. The Word came alive with the answer to what I was dealing with. And, and the Word then sparked the faith to actually step out and do what we needed to do. The Word alive in you causes that. And the Spirit alive in you is what brings the Word to life. I remember after I got filled with the Spirit, and I, it was quite a reluctant filling. Um, I begged God not to give me tongues because I didn't want it. And uh, I went back to my bedroom after praying, and I opened the Bible. And for the first time in probably 25 years of reading Scripture, the words were leaping off the page. They were living. They were alive. They were vibrant. The Spirit had brought to life what I'd been memorizing and studying and wanting to even understand. And suddenly this word's alive. And from that moment, we stepped into miracles and healing and breakthrough because the Word came alive by the Spirit. It's those two pieces that are God being in operation. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. And that then sets us up for the gift of faith. If you're walking in faith, then the gift of faith is going to be a natural progression out of your life of faith. It's not something we have to beg for. It's actually something that happens very naturally in us. Um, so the gift of faith operates as an unusual surge of confidence that arises within a person faced by a specific situation or need. Um, over the last several years, we, we've interviewed dozens and dozens of people that have seen remarkable miracles or resurrection from the dead. And every one of them, we ask the same question. What is, what is it that caused you to take that extra step beyond where you normally were? And, and every one of them described this unusual surge of confidence rising up in me. Um, they described the, that, the gift of faith that way. I remember Sally, when she saw the paralytic healed, there was this, this surge of faith rose up in her. When Michael Brewer saw resurrection from the dead, he said, this, this thing rose up inside me that almost felt like anger, but then when I spoke, life happened. Um, I remember when I saw my first, well, it wasn't my first, it was, it was the most dramatic blind eyes I saw open. I was praying for this young man, and... Uh, I probably prayed for 15 minutes and got absolutely nowhere. Um, there was no movement. He wasn't seeing light. And we'd interviewed him. We talked it through. But just we were just up against the wall. So I, I stopped and just through the translator said, listen, uh, we're missing something. I don't know what we're missing, but we're missing something. And he said, well, that's all right. He said, I've been to all the doctors, and they say I don't have an optic nerve. He literally was born without an optic nerve. This thing rose up inside of me, and I spoke, nerve, grow! And instantly he saw light. It, it, was a, 
it was a surge of something that wasn't, it wasn't just the normal prayer for healing. It was something that came from somewhere else. The gift of faith. So I just want to give you a couple definitions just for fun of it. Um, James Dunn. The gift of faith gives that person a transrational certainty. Don't you love people that use big words? A transrational certainty and assurance that God is about to act through a word or action. It, it, it defies our natural thinking. It takes us beyond the limitations of our walk of faith. But can you see why the walk of faith is important? If we don't have the walk of faith, you're not going to step it into the gift of faith. Craig Gross, uh, Gross, sorry. The gift of faith is both the irresistible knowledge of God's intervention at a certain point and the authority to affect this intervention through the power of the Spirit. Just an awareness. David Jeremiah And God has given us the gift of faith that we may take what is unseen and make it part of who we are. I want to live there. I want to live in that. So when Mark, Jesus makes this incredible statement, Mark chapter 11, and Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it's going to happen, and it will be granted to him. How many of you have seen a mountain thrown in the sea yet? Jesus is setting a bar so high of what's possible of what's available somewhere, somehow. Now, I don't think my walk of faith is going to get there. But I think the gift of faith is going to get there. If you look in commentaries, several commentaries give a, the actual literal Greek uh, translation of how faith in God. And the, the literal Greek is either have the faith of God or have God's faith. That's the little, little Greek of that particular passage. And I, I would suggest that that's a gift of faith. I believe that when we're touched by that faith of God, that faith that only he can give, an optic nerve will grow or a paralytical rock, or the dead will be raised. And so I believe as believers, we need to believe for a walk of faith, but we also need to be believing to step into a gift of faith more regularly. I don't know anybody that knows how to live continually in the gift of faith. The people that I hang around with, and I deliberately hang around with people that kind of push the limits, Every one of them is on the same journey. How do, how do we access this thing that God's given and he's made available to us on a more regular basis? So my 
definition of the gift of faith is a supernatural faith that operates from God through us. It accomplishes things that are impossible to man by overriding natural limitations, making anything possible. I believe the gift of faith has that capacity in every one of us as believers. And I believe we need to be asking God to help us take down the limits, to take the lid off the jar. I want to stop jumping into the limits of my jar, and I want to jump outside the jar. I, I want to break the limits of my history. Uh, like I said, at least I went through at least 30 times in my life, and I, I know if I sat down there would be many more, where I was up against a decision and the wisdom reaction would have been to back off. But the faith response was to step forward and to break out of it. And you know, I, I would think you do it once and then you have it. No, no, no. You're going to hit these through your whole of your life. You're going to hit those circumstances where we need to break out. So let's believe together for a gift of faith. Let's stand up. If you're offended by being called to flee this morning, <laughs> we've got an inner healing team that would be glad to meet you. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, we need you. Father, we need to be a body of people that operate in faith, that operate in expectancy, that operate beyond the limits of what we've known up to this point. So, Father, give us a hunger to break the limitations. Give us a hunger to break out of the normal and begin to see you do extraordinary things. And we pray that in Jesus' name. I get a couple of ministry TV people to come down. I felt like the invitation today was pretty straightforward. If you feel like you've been hitting your head against a jar lid, if you feel like you've been hitting a ceiling in your faith, I believe this morning God wants to meet you and break that. So before I invite you to come down, I want us to just pray together. Father, we take the ceiling off. We choose to not let these circumstances limit us. We choose to move beyond what we've experienced so that you can be all and do all that you desire. So Holy Spirit, come. Meet us in a profound way this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been specifically wanting to break through a ceiling that you're feeling, I want you to quickly come out of your seat right now and come down the front, and we're going to pray for you. And we're going to believe with you to break that ceiling. Begin to see a greater release happening. Yes, Jesus. You're so good, Lord.
You're so good, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. If you're down the front, just kind of get in that posture of receiving. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Just come and move among us. Come and work with us. Come and work with us. Just feel free wherever you start here. Jade, feel free to come out and help pray for people, if you don't mind. Um, Becca, Christina, Kimberly, you guys come on. Kelly, Farley, come on, help us pray. Yes, I, I'm, the name is almost there and it won't come. Thank you for coming anyway. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you're so good to us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord Jesus. Father, just release in us an expectancy for the gift of faith to move. An expectancy for your hand on us. Royce, would you guys come and pray? Let's just get enough prayers to operate down here. You're so good to us, Lord Jesus. You're so good to us, Lord Jesus. Jeff, would you guys come as well? Jeff Stoll, would you guys come? And several people still wanting prayer here. Just pour into them. Pour into them. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I just felt the Lord say to share a testimony and um, of, of prayer, of praying in faith. And um, it came after a 10-month-long battle that my daughter went through, a medical trauma. And um, she's really a walking miracle. She went through 28 surgeries and seven months from a surgery, a routine surgery gone bad. And um, when I came back home, God started... I started experiencing miraculous healings in my own life um, for things that I wasn't even praying for. And one um, morning when I went out to feed my dog, um, she was having a seizure. And I just immediately laid my hands on her side and I said, be healed in Jesus' name. Seizure stop now. And instantly, just like that, my dog stood up, her eyes stopped shaking, 
and she started looking around for food. And I, and I know this is a dog, but dog, but God cares about animals too, just like people. And I'm sharing this because if He cares that much for our sweet little border collie, He really cares for us and wants to heal us. But I work in the medical field, and I know that human or animal, if someone had a seizure, they'd be left in a postical state for at least 30 minutes or longer. And it, it was miraculous, and it did something to me. Well, it wrecked me, basically, to where I really started seeking to understand physical healing, um, not just of what I watched my daughter th- go through, but what God did right there. And it encouraged me to keep praying. And one of the stories that I heard that's always encouraged me is Dutch Sheets shares a story about a girl that was in a coma and he felt God place it on him as a burden to pray for that girl. And he went every day and prayed. And he said, most of the time I was just praying in tongues. And after one year, that girl woke up from the coma. So never give up praying and stuff. And I just want to say for my daughter, Kelsey, there's a girl named Kelsey. They said she wouldn't live, yet she lives. They didn't believe she could be healed, but we all did. We lifted our voices to heaven And the God of all creation heard. He moved with compassion and manifested his word. In the name of Jesus, we claim that that battle is won. All praise, glory, and honor to Jesus, the risen one. Thank you, Lord. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Holy Spirit. Well, the altars are still open. There's prayer teams down here. God is doing great and marvelous things, not just down front here, but in you. Let's just go take a risk with the Lord today, wherever we go. Let's go take a risk. I love that spelling of faith, R-A-S-K. So, Lord, we just thank you for the words that were given today. Lord, we thank you for the posturing and the positioning of the walk of faith. And Lord, the gift of faith that accompanies that, Father. We thank you, God, that we would be people persuaded of your goodness, fully trusting in you. Lord, that uh, as we walk in faith, uh, the supernatural realm becomes so natural and ordinary. Lord, that the, Lord, the things of heaven and the desires that you have, Father, would be worked out right here on earth, Jesus. We thank you, God. Bless the people. Bless this family. Bless our guests. If you guys did not get a chance to go back there and see the lovely Shelby uh, in our welcome center there, then you can uh, go back, just chat with her, and we've got a gift pack for you. So God bless you guys. Altar ministry uh, is still going on, so uh, if you have a need, just come on down. Amen.